Welcome, adventurers and knowledge seekers. We are your guides, Goose and Ash. Hello. Take a map and a torch, but whatever you do, please do not feed the gelatinous cube as we enter the, the Crypt, Crypt of, of Knowledge. knowledge. back to discussing character creation yeah character creation we made it through one hopefully we'll make <laughs> it through two Who knows, maybe there'll be three keep going don't right count, don't count your chickens let's uh <laughs> don't count your kobolds until we get there so let's just <laughs> fair enough that is, that is always a good suggestion to, to think about uh, but yeah character creation is a, a scary thing for some new people right i do i find it to be a a barrier for people when when talking about where to start um so i think they just get overwhelmed with the idea of inventing a character from the ground up because like when you start a video game you have options lots and, uh, now. yeah almost yeah too many but still you get to kind of like build it based off of the options and that's kind of what uh you know that's exactly what you're doing in D, but it's more uh you know, story writing. And right. so I just think people find it intimidating. It's true. You have to think ahead a little bit in D&D. &D, and, and we're going to kind of break it down for everyone today to kind of make it not feel so so intimidating and so large. Because with every new book that comes out, there are more and more options for what you can play. Um, but I want to preface this because I'm a DM. <laughs> so let me preface this. Before you build a character, please talk to your DM about what they are allowing and they can help guide you to make the perfect character you're looking for. I've had so many people come into a game with pre-made characters, these backstories that are wild and creative and they're great, but they fit nowhere into any story arc or world that could possibly be made. They're their own little thing. It's hard to deal with. Hmm. Okay. So just to, just a key piece of advice. You can make as many wonderful characters as you want. Do that, please, every day. Make a new character. I have thousands, believe it or not. Thousands. <laughs> uh, but if you're going to play one in a game, just get with your DM first. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's good advice because you don't want to sink a lot of time into something and then not be able to use it right then when you're most excited about it. But you're right. You can always table that character. Use it for uh, another world. You might even inspire your DM to make a world for that character at some point or like a one shot, but, um, yeah, you just, you want to make sure what you're doing is feasible. You know, you don't want to bring a gunslinger into a world of wooden swords and mallets. Yeah. Like this just, <laughs> there's no guns. It would be awkward. Not going to work. You don't want to bring an automatron to, you know, something with, uh, you know, like a Elvish city with absolutely no machinery. So it's very true. Very yeah. true. Yes. So get with your DM first before you create characters, but Feel free to go wild with your characters. There are so many options out there now um, beyond just the basic rules that you can spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars <laughs> by all the material you need to create any character you can possibly think of now. Or for free, using something we call your imagination. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the basic rules so, give you so much to build with. No, they really do. So, yeah, the extra add-ons are cool, but yeah. not needed for sure to get involved in the game. So, given how long you've been playing, Goose, do you have uh, – can you give us a little bit of insight on as to how character creation has changed over the last five editions? Yes. Yes, Ash, I am old. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
Ex- experience. You have a lot yes. of XP points. That's true. I You've have had many up. milestones. <laughs> leveled up lots and decades. Um, yeah, so I started in second edition, which I'm very fond of in some ways. Um, but I, I also realized how easy fifth edition has made it to get people involved. And so I'm very thankful that Wizards of the Coast now has done that TSR stuff. Um, but yeah, way back, even first edition. Um, and Ash, I think you actually know someone who was involved in first edition very well, right? Second edition, but yes. Second edition, right, yes. Yeah. So we uh, first edition was weird. It was very limited. You had men and elves. That, that was one of the main things. You had that race. Um, but only men could be clerics. Um, there was just a lot more restriction to what you could do because it was it was new. Um, the, the combat part of the game was actually not even part of D&D. It was from another game they borrowed. So lots of lots of basics when a game started but second edition where i started they they split things up so you had uh gnomes uh halflings half elves that came into the game along with the men and the, the elves so you had a wide variety that could be changed um they added in extra things like paladins rangers druids rogues bards different schools of magics proficiencies so it has advanced just from one edition to the other it added a lot of the common things that we see in D today um, it still had a long way to go, but it, it added a lot of other things. Third edition added in a few more classes. You had um, barbarians, monks, and sorcerers, um, and it added in feats, which is a whole other discussion on whether you take attribute upgrades and feats, but <laughs> you have options when they added in feats. And then fourth edition, um, the only thing I'll say about fourth edition is it added in paladins. That's really all you really need to know. Elydrin were in there too, which is basically just elves. Um, and then you, this was the first time you got the paths. Uh, once you reached a certain level, they call them paragon paths. So at level 10, you got to choose a different path, kind of like you do now as you get second or third in most of your characters. You can choose a specialization and things that you can go into. Uh, so they, that was the fourth edition was the first part of that. Uh, and then fifth edition now, as we we know it, they've added those subclasses, um, dragonborns, tieflings, the artificers have been made in there. So it's it's much more accessible. A lot of the rules have been simplified, so there's not a lot of that crunch in there anymore. So I think it's it has evolved a ton with each new edition. But I think they're at a pretty good sweet spot right now. Did you say correctly that in first edition only men could be clerics? That is correct. Only men. Now I guess technically the race of men. Not, yeah. not men it's just such versus an females. Specific, you know, specification, but oh, how the times have changed. <laughs> right. It was very restrictive in first edition because they, they, there weren't a lot of video games then, obviously, in the late seventies, eighties. So they were building this whole new thing based on a few other tabletop games and based on war gaming that they had played. So it was a unique combination of things. Uh, but they quickly grew from first to second edition. It, it, they quickly realized that they had to fix that and, and branch things out. What I love about the progression of the changes, even in something as just this one aspect of character creation, because there's so much more. This is just kind of the first step, is that you can see, I, I feel like someone at some point just asked, like, so why can only men be clerics? And then they'll be like, oh, I don't know. Okay, let's change it. And then they just wrote a new role and they just changed it. Okay, well, why is this here? I don't know. Let's just change it. And that's how things grow and change. And that's what's beautiful about this game is that it's recognized its need to change. And now it's more popular than ever. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. It it has grown with its audience. It has listened to its audience when they have asked for things. Uh, a perfect example, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, you know attributes and things coming up here. But a wonderful thing that recently came out was uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, and they changed some of the way the attributes work. So, if there's something the community wants, Wizards of Coast has been very good at going back, looking at it, and making any realistic changes they can. Some things people yeah. ask for are crazy, but they've changed a lot to to match with the fan base and what they want and then the beautiful thing again my favorite aspect of it is homebrew which we'll talk about more later but homebrew basically you know the rules are just guidelines and homebrew you you do what you want <laughs> that's 100 percent right and we we speak from experience because that's all i run is homebrew <laughs> so everything we've done is homebrew um even some classes even some spells even you know monsters in the whole environment is homebrew and, and you're right the rules are just there to guide you um, mm-hmm. they're all to be used as an interpretation use what you want don't don't use things you don't want to use and we don't use things like encumbrance it's too crunchy mm-hmm. we don't we don't want that crunch we just want to play in rp that's all we want to do so, you know, every DM will choose what they feel fits. Um, and hopefully you don't have rule, rules lawyers sitting there on the other side of the table playing. Because um, that can get weird sometimes. But, yeah, so homebrew is, is a wonderful thing. Yeah. And that's why, you know, in the beginning when you said, just talk to your DM. If there's something you want to do, talk to them about it. Because even if maybe maybe a gunslinger won't fit into their world. But together, you could probably homebrew something that would fit. That will maybe you could have an archer who has a quick reload arrow, explosive arrows, and you know what I mean. Like so, just it's something to talk about because you can really just make you make whatever you want. But I have a question. Yes. And this will kind of lead into our next question. But when you are creating a new character, um, is is there something that you do? You have to have something that kind of in, it just inspires you. Like, do you see a weapon and think, oh? that'd be a cool character or an aesthetic. And that reminds you of how you would, someone would look and then kind of go from there or what's your mental process. So personally, I've done all of that. Yeah. I have sat down with a name and from the name, imagined who I thought it should be and gone completely from that. Um, I have looked at pictures and same thing. I thought, well, that looks like a paladin right there. You know, that's the armor, everything. And I'm going to make a paladin. I'm going to base it around this. Um, and then as, as you know, we've done random rolls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We, we sit down with some dice and we roll for our race and we roll for everything and then you just kind of as all that hodgepodge gets together you look at it and say well what can i do with this and and come up with a story behind it so i i've done them all there's no right way or wrong way to do it i don't think um, whatever inspires you to love the character i think is really what is important if basing it uh, on something in pop culture but changing it is is how you want to play it make sure your dm's okay with it but do that uh, or if like I said, looking at a picture does it for you. What, whatever gets you to love that character and want to play it every week or every two weeks whenever you play, do mm. it. How do you create your characters, though? Um, I think I, st- I start with, like, backstory, like, personality, who I want them to be, and, and then fill in the mechanics in there. And basically, like, how can I use the rules in the, in the game to make this person be who they are now? Um, and then the more that I've, I've played, I do, it's hard not to like, think about this is who I want to be in combat and kind of starting with that and then growing backwards into, then doing, working backwards from there. 
Um, which really leads well into our next question, which is, do you choose race first or class first? Because those things are going to affect, I mean, everything. It's going to affect everything. They are, and, and almost not as much anymore, like we talked about with Tasha's Cauldron. It, it changed a little bit of that. It used to be when you picked a race, that race was good at something. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you might have got more dexterity or strength based on your race. Now you just get those points and you can kind of add it to anything for any race. So it, it, not as big a deal. And not every DM uses those rules. Some still stick with the basic racial traits. Uh, and that's fine. It's, it's however you want to play it. But uh, for me, I have always looked at um, what class I wanted to play. And that's where I started. Uh, because I was never one of those people that had to sit down and optimize my character to have the best stats. Mm. Just wasn't. I mean, You're you not have a, to have a min maxer. I am not a min maxer. I am not. Good. You have to have a certain amount of the right stat to make your character feasible. Um, but for me, a low strength soldier can be just as fun to play as a high strength soldier can. You you have a weakness that you have to overcome. It can make it more challenging to play. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think for me, I always went with class first. Uh, what have you always gone with though? Class. I don't care as much yeah about about race i care more about job like you know job and like mm -hmm. background and ability um and so yeah i um you know race just hasn't been as important to me i'll be honest i've not ever really been interested in exploring like non-humanoid races okay. it just doesn't hold interest to me i'm happy you know doing being like you know halfling no gnome dwarf human elf you know what right. i mean but like you know it's like the new one like dragonborn tiefling i'm like eh, it just doesn't hold any any interest interest for me so i usually start with class and then work from there yeah and we've talked you know off air before that tiefling is very popular it's it's one of the most popular races to pick yeah, uh, but i'm with you things. yeah i mean who doesn't love to be a little chaotic demon um <laughs> But I, for me, I'm kind of like you. Most of the races I've enjoyed have been the the mortal races. I didn't play mm -hmm. many elves and, and things like that. But um, see, what have you played? You've played a human. You're currently a kitsune. Um, oh, yeah. I think my kitsune <laughs> is my favorite one. Human, uh, half, half elf. I did play a tiefling once for a, uh, like a tiefling druid for a one shot. And that was my least favorite. And I think it's because I forget about things. Like one of our, our uh, buddies now in our campaign plays a character with four arms. And yeah. I consistently forget he has four arms. I don't know. I would just forget about those appendage appendages. I do all I can right now to remember that I have extra, like I have ears and a tail now. And I think for me, that's just like, you know what? Being human's hard enough. I have hard yeah, enough right. to keep track of the limbs that I have. Um, adding things <laughs> like horns and tails. It's just too challenging. I'm, I'm trying to do too many things so um i think that's why i don't i like those more that's fair. but i do like being a little bit fantastical you know what i mean well sure it's fantasy that's what we do right we wanna, we so be I, i've like playing like a half elf that was you know just because extra kind of things that makes sense that makes sense yeah our uh, our four-armed friend that's a homebrew so again we <laughs> we'll talk a lot about homebrew uh in these podcasts but uh yeah, that one. That was an interesting race. They have a lot of. So he always abilities. picks a non-humanoid. Yes, he is always. Every one we've been in has been non-humanoid. Always non. And so I and I just find that it just think you know we all just kind of gravitate towards the things that we, you know, uh, like. That's very true. That's yeah. very true. One hundred percent true. 
So you've got your race. What do you do next? Get your race in class. Probably backstory. How you did go I... backstory next? Probably. Okay. Like, I think about where I maybe am or will be starting, you know, with whatever information that you've given us for the campaign and go from there. I'm trying to think of how I did my last one. And I put, I, I stressed less over Nori, that's my current character, uh, than I did over anything else. I just had more fun with it. And right. I tried really hard to avoid any cliches. <laughs> that happened, though. But that brings up a good point. Chocolate. Oh, yeah, she was 100% <laughs> walking cliche. But that's fine. <laughs> it's your first character. That's what happens. But you bring up a good point when you talk about backstory. What's You have to differentiate between backgrounds and backstory. Those mm-hmm. are two different parts of creating a character. Um, so backstories are something you're completely making up. But right. a lot of times they get based on your background, which is something you can choose as well. I think that's that's one of the key things people get confused sometimes, the difference between backgrounds. Like, oh, I picked, I'm an acolyte. That's my background. But, right, but then you have to think, well, how did I become an acolyte? Who introduced me to this religion? Uh, you know, where did I this how did I end up in this part of the country my friend and those are things that if you're um if you read a lot of books or if you're you know like to write then that kind of stuff there's so many tools you can just sit down and and do like a you know a little church put your character in the middle and then just write things like how old age you know parents dead or alive if you're a rogue they're dead and like you just <laughs> yeah. keep Going, you know, going from there. There's even tools like I have a friend who um, makes these cards called Better Backstory, and true. we've used them before to give our characters. Well, and I'll, I'll, I'll tag Jay in this, um, or or put the information. It's a deck of cards. You just deal them out, and there's a system to it, and then it just gives you your backstory. And it's really interesting to be kind of just like given it all, and then you have to make it work. It's like a puzzle. So that's right. fun. That's a good tool to just if you're having trouble. Um, you know, just go with it. But most people I talk to, they know what kind of person they want to play. They just don't know how to make that alive in D&D. Right. How to put it on paper, how to make it feasible, how to make it, yeah. you know, be someone usable in combat and not just RP. Yeah. That's, right. That's the big one. So, yeah. Uh, and I think I'm with you. I think a lot of times, even before I've done much anything else, I've created a backstory in my head for characters. And for me, we'll just be realistic as a DM. Uh, my character creation is NPCs. So mm-hmm. every NPC that you guys meet in the campaign started as, okay, I'm in this area. Let me think about what this area needs. And then once that idea popped in my head and then a backstory of this person, and then I go and create the actual character. So I do that almost the first thing before I even pick race and class a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So backstories can be very powerful and and meaningful. And we'll talk about NPCs a ton too later on, but that is one way to make... Uh, an NPC very memorable is to put them in the right place with the right background. Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, that's been successful for you because we have, we have so many NPCs that we just love. It's so attached to. There's a few that get stuck around way longer than I thought they would. I'm like, this will be five seconds and they're gone. And then 10 sessions later, they're still around. We get attached. Got some good ones in there. It feels good to know that you you appreciate a character though. When you get attached to one, it, I think that's a compliment to a DM that they they have put somebody meaningful in the world, and you guys have latched onto them. So Absolutely. I think that's pretty good. Absolutely. 
So we've got all that out of the way. Uh, one big thing to think about, and again, this is something to talk with your DM, is whether you'll be using uh, max HP or rolling HP. Um, it's a really simple process to roll your HP, though. You get hit dice for each level. You add your constitution modifier, which uh, modifier just goes with your, your attribute points. So uh, it, we, we could spend hours and hours talking about the various little nuances of the character creation, but we won't. I said, except that we want people to play D&D right. and not be scared. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I could spend two hours talking about the math in D&D. But I was like, everything that, that came out of your mouth just now was just math. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, we're losing him. We're flatlining. No. Yeah. So that's all we will say about that is that just get with your DM. I always run games with max HP just because uh, if you were ones or twos a lot, you can be kind of squishy, and it's not as fun for character guys. I mean, you can create a great storyline, but we all know it's just not as fun. I just always figured you'd let us use max HP so that you could be meaner with your monsters. <laughs> well, that's and a good point, too. You know what I mean? Like, you could throw harder things. If you knew that we had as much HP as possible, you could throw harder things at us. You wouldn't have to softball everything uh, when we were starting out. So I just I feel like that makes it fun for everybody. And. Well, there's a lot of things we do, again, in, in our, our campaigns. I always overpower you guys as well. I give you magic items galore. And 5th edition isn't really made to give magic items out. <laughs> it's just not. It's a different struggle. Uh, even 3rd edition focused a lot. Your your motivation was gold and gaining new things. Mm. And 5th edition really is about, I'm going to save the world. My motivation is I'm a good person. Mm. And that's not always fun to me. So, yeah, I... I Max HP overpower you guys because you're supposed to be heroes, right? You're supposed to feel powerful. So, well, I feel like it empowers us to to take more risks in combat and to do more fun things, and then that makes for a more fun story. And like the sure. whole experience is better because we know, uh, you know, we're not going to uh, die if we take a little bit of a risk. That's true. So it's it, yeah, it's just better all around. I think if we have some of that, a little bit of a cushion. Sometimes it's empowered a few of you to take too many risks, but we won't talk about that. Hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> we're all still here, kind of. It's true. I haven't killed off any of you yet. You've been down a few times, but I haven't killed you off yet. No TPKs. Oh, None. gosh. Knock on, that said no TPKs. <laughs> knock on wood. There you go. <sighs> so I mentioned them very briefly, and we'll, we'll glaze over this pretty quickly because it's going to get too in-depth. But, but Ashley, what are our ability stats? Your ability stats determine... How likely you are to succeed at a specific ability, and um, there's only six. But and in your DM can kind of, some things are are predetermined, but mostly your DM will tell you. So let's say you wanted to try and and jump over a, a log, that would be you know an, an agility common problem, yeah. Which would be like a dexterity. Well, you know we're big log jumpers over here, <laughs> so might say okay, make make an athletics check. And so you use your ability to assess that will determine how likely you are to succeed at doing the thing you want to do using the ability you want to use. Was that mathy? That was too mathy. Wasn't it? That wasn't actually mathy at all. I think that's just a good explanation. Yeah. So it's just uh, it just determine like your you know predetermine both uh, uh, personality and physical characteristics. Just like like I'm not a dexy person in real life. <laughs> I'd have a real low dex score. Um, <laughs> If I had actual like abilities, I sometimes I imagine we all have, like ability stats over our heads, kind right. of like the Sims thing, yeah. you know. Uh, mine would be just real low. <laughs> just that's good. 
That's not mathy at all. I think that's a plus 50 XP to you right there. That was wonderful. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just like you said, it's how strong you are. It's how fast you are. It's how much constitution and, and health you have. It's all of those main stats that make your character go in the game. And they're all tied to, to different abilities, like you said, stealthing or, or trying to jump with acrobatics and various stuff. So it's they're important pieces for the metagaming portion of it, you know, the real mm-hmm. uh, combat and other things you're going to do and roll your dice with. They, they mm-hmm. are the reason to roll your dice. Um, yeah. And there are various ways you can choose those. Um, there are three different ones that the, the book lists for the basic players. There are tons that I've seen homebrewed and, and, and done. And the, the way we do it, is the roll your 46 and you drop your lowest score. Um, mm-hmm. So you're going to, at, at most, be able to get an 18, basically, if you roll three sixes. Um, but you, you have that fourth dice in there, and, and you drop it, because you're going to get a low score. But it still averages out pretty well, I think. Um, you know, we, we also re-roll ones, so if you get a one, mm-hmm. you get to re-roll that one anyway. You, you, again, this goes back to your character is supposed to be heroic. So you don't want to have a bunch of 10s and 11s and 12s as your stats. You want them to be higher. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a good system that we use. Um, there are others. Again, there's a point-by system, and, and each stat costs you a certain point. You get 27 points total, and you get to add them in and, and fix it up that way. There's the array system, which says here are your six stats. You get a 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, and 8, and you put them wherever you want. You, know, you don't have to roll anything. You just put those wherever you want. And those are all fine and feasible, but they they feel to me like they create generic characters. You mm. know what I mean? So I feel like I, I like point by for myself personally, but if I'm DMing, I wouldn't want to do point by because, especially if I was working with experienced players, because we're all a little bit, except for you apparently. I think we're all tempted <laughs> to min max. Sure. Um, and min maxing, if you don't know, means basically you, you just throw away the stats you don't care about and just completely pack say, like, your strength, dex, athletics, if you want to just be an absolute tank. I mean, you're right. just a beast. One fighter punch. has a 10 intelligence and a 4 in charisma, right? Right. And so, like, you're real dumb, but you're a one-punch man, you know? And so, um, which is boring. That's just yeah. – but it's, like, it's tempting because that's how you win, right? Which, right. Uh, if you – I mean, you're not – no one's seen this video, but I'm air-quoting because you don't win D&D. <laughs> But that's, uh, you know, it's attempted to kind of uh, um, cheat the game that way. And what you're really doing is cheating yourself of right. a problem-solving experience. You're cheating your group of, of creativity. Um, I'm not saying don't, you know, especially for a one-shot. It could be kind <laughs> sure. of fun. That yeah, can be absolutely. fun. There's, there's a time and place. But uh, I think Point By sets us up for that temptation. That's true. Uh, very true. And, I, and now, I, not to give every min-maxer a bad name, I've seen some that are really good at role-playing their their def- deficiencies. 100%. Yeah. You, you know, there's a very popular game, you might have heard of it, called Critical Role. I'm sorry, can you say that again? <laughs> what, what? Critical Role. Oh, right. Yeah. That Maddie Mercer? Yeah, he... Yeah, that, that person. I know him. We'll talk about the Mercer effect <laughs> much later. Uh, but there's a character in there that is very dumb. <laughs> But he plays it very dumb. Right. It's, it's, it's very well done. And if you're going to go to that level of RP, you know, min-max all way. That's, that's all I'll say. If you can back it up, go for it. But I agree. Most min-maxers don't do that. Well, and I feel like he went in saying, I want to play a really strong but really dumb guy. 
and then was like, oh, I'll just min-max it. He didn't go and say, okay, I'm going to – I just want all – you know what I mean? He, like, approached right. it from the role play side and not the mechanic side, which is how you get that really pure interaction. Also, he's a professional voice actor. So I just yeah, let's like, let's not forget that. Professional let's actor. Of course, we're going to be good at role-playing. Exactly. Like, he's so, – they're all so good. They're, so, they're all so talented. They are. Absolutely. And if you're, if you're listening to us, you've probably heard about them because it probably got you into the game. It's a big, big reason that the boom has happened is their game is, is amazing. If you haven't watched it, definitely go do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a little bit about ability stats and rolling for stats, and that's all we're going to say about math tonight, hopefully. I think we're done with math. <laughs> I think so, too. What's the point of alignment, Ashley? Why should you choose an alignment? And <sighs> do people ever really stick to their alignment? Oh, alignment just gives you an excuse to be a bad person um <laughs> are no, you saying I, people would go in and say that's what my character would do that doesn't i'm gonna happen, be a dick because that's what my character would do um <laughs> uh i know I, see i think alignment can give good direction but unless you are a professional actor and unless you want to go like totally method on this character your alignment's going to be what you really are as a, as a human like out of game as a person it's it's right. It's more for um, direction and, and inspiration as to how your character might behave. So there's nine alignments. And there's a lot. You've seen all the stupid little meme charts. Right. They're so, like, if there. you, yeah, there's nine alignments. So, with good, neutral, evil. And. But right, let's face it, everyone, everyone that plays is a little chaotic in them. They make their characters, yes. whether they put the alignment because, or not. Because we're humans. And humans are chaotic, and we're humans yes. playing this thing. We are humans, by the way. We're not lizard folk, just in case anyone was suspicious. Shh, don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think the point of, of alignments is just to help you get to know your character better and to get in the mindset of how they might think. But I think anyone who sticks too closely to their alignment is just up to no good. <laughs> and use it as an excuse to be a chaotic goblin, uh, mm -hmm. which I've done. You know, <laughs> we've all done it. We've all done it. I've never played an evil uh, alignment. Mm. Sounds like we need a new campaign with all the evil people. I don't think I could do it. I'm just not. <laughs> you could. I agree. I just don't think I could do it. I just don't think that way. Um but yeah, and all of you in the current campaign are chaotic, I think. All of you. And yes. which which works well. You're all mercenaries, so you're all a little chaotic. But yes. yeah, evil is a hard thing to play. It really is. Because yeah. you can take it way too far or not even get anywhere close to being evil. So you have to you have to understand and they also <clears throat> are you lawful evil? Because that's a mm -hmm. whole different thing versus And chaotic. I think lawful, lawful good can be just as evil as lawful evil like i think they can all be bad in their own sure. way sure um but i think because it's hard to play a villain because uh your motivation is usually much much darker and if you're a true villain then your motivation is going to be something heavy and true so that's hard to play you know in a, in a pretendy time game especially when you're trying to trying to interact with other players who aren't evil necessarily mm. it's it's hard to have one person in your party be that chaotic evil person that fits in with the lawful goods and the neutrals and all those other it's just it makes a rough party to, to handle 
Well, yeah, because everyone's, uh, you know, goals are at odds. And exactly. it just leads to a lot of arguments, which is why, everybody, everyone should DM at some point. Because then you get to play all the alignments. <laughs> and it's real fun. It's yes. fun to play, a, to DM a villain. It's not fun to true. play a villain as a character, in my opinion. I think that's true. And, and I support that 100%. Everyone at some point should DM. Just even if they're not going to enjoy it, they should see what their DM has to go through. Absolutely. It's, it's like penance. Yeah, like everyone exactly. should also work customer service. Oh, 100%. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest point for alignment for me is the fact that it is almost useless. No one I, plays yeah. it the way it's supposed to be done. It's a good, like you said, it's a good uh, kind of gauge to say this is how I want my character to play, but rarely in a game does it ever come off that way. Yeah. And I have seen DMs, and I will call them chaotic DMs, go go in and say, hey, your character is lawful good, and you just allowed the party to go in and steal something, so now you're not lawful good anymore, you're neutral good. And they will drop their alignment and make them change things, and that, in olden days, could make you no longer a paladin, even. If you mm. lost that which you were you were your ideals and things that you had, then you weren't a paladin. You lost your powers. Your yeah. patron or whatever just disowned you. So mm-hmm. I, I have never done that. I have told people before, hey, just remember, <laughs> you said you were supposed to be lawful. You can break whatever rules you want. It's your character, but I've you know, I've kind of guided people back to it. Um, but D and D characters just as human beings grow and change, right? Yeah, so. I think it. if you are, I think we all start, well, I've seen this because we played a few campaigns together. I've seen this happen several times where, where we all start out really strong in what we think our character's personality is going to be. And then ourselves, you know, start to creep through. Yes. Um, until we kind of hit a balance of like both character and, and ourselves. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you start to see yourself or your character making you know, chaotic, neutral decisions, which is pretty different than chaotic, good decisions. Oh, 100%. Um, even though they're right next to each other on the chart, they're pretty different. So if you start to see that, you might start to think, oh, maybe this is a character development moment. Maybe my yes. story is going somewhere. May Or maybe I just need to tighten up my RP a little bit and uh, and think try and think more like my, my character. Um, yeah. Which just depends on how strict you want to get in your RP. But if you well, want it to be easier and not to think about it, make a character that's most like yourself and then make them spicy, you know? Give them a tail, true. make them fly, <laughs> give them a sword that sets on fire. Um, but that way you don't have to think about it and your character always stays true and your role play, role play always stays, you know, yeah. consistent. Well, and I like what you said there. It, it's a character development moment. So mm-hmm. a good DM hopefully can pick up on that and see, well, they have changed completely from what their character was before. And create something around that, either a side storyline or yeah. just a moment that can allow that player to come out and RP that change and make it official. You know, if it, I've been, I've changed, I've grown as a person. So you, you had your yeah. paladin that believed what he believed because it's a church and that's all they ever yeah. knew. When they get out in the real world and they're with this group of people now, they can see that sometimes rules aren't, aren't always right. So yeah. you can bend some rules. So there's all kinds of ways you could play it, but. For me, just the, the whole idea of alignment is a good thing to, to base your character around, but it's so fluid, it, it's hard to yeah. keep it right. So, I think it's a, it's a good thing for maybe experienced players. So if you're starting off, 
don't stress over alignment. Don't, you know, uh, if that helps you get to know your character better, awesome. But don't, don't spend a lot. I used to spend a lot of time uh, thinking about that. Cause I, I remember like staring at a chart being like, wait, who, how am I going to wait? Oh no. If I do this and I can only behave this way, don't stress about it. It's a yeah. tool. It's a guide. Nothing more. Yeah. It's something from the olden days that is still just around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's still around just because it's a meme at this point. I really do. I don't think anybody that made fifth edition thought it was still a useful tool. No, really it is a good self-discovery tool in real life. Like you, you know, just look at a chart and think, where do I sure. lie on this? And might sure. might learn something a little about yourself. Yeah, that is very true. I don't know if you want to learn some of that stuff, but you will. <laughs> <laughs> you will learn for sure. <laughs> uh, so to point out some of the stuff at the back end of character creation, just how, how it can be cool at front and then completely get lost in the character. Your first character, Ari, can you remember looking without looking at your character sheet what her ideals, bonds, and flaws were? Oh gosh. I already know um, the answer because you're not gonna remember, but I think she always put I think her ideals were always like I okay. No, I don't remember specifically. I do remember <laughs> generally like protecting those who are weaker, um, standing up for people, valuing the the good of many over the good of the few. Very like, like neutral good uh, mm-hmm. things. Am I close? Yeah, and, and you're pretty good, actually. You're you're pretty <laughs> on point with those. But again, I think that's easier for you because those fit in with your background so perfect. Yeah. You know that is that is your background. But yeah, uh, it again when you talk about this, and if you haven't created a character or if you haven't created one in a long time, it's a big thing now in fifth edition to have ideals, bonds, and flaws on your character, and they have pre-made ones, and then there are a bazillion that have been homebrewed that are out there that you can choose from. But they just, again, go with your backstory uh, and your background, and they help you flesh out the character. You don't have to use them at all, Mm-mm. but it's just another tool that has been given to to help flesh out that background. You know why It helps you get into that mindset of what would my character do in this situation? Why are they an adventurer? Um, why, uh, you know, there's always got to be a negative in any character development. So what is that one thing that's hanging over me, my flaw that I, that I have to do? Who do I owe money to? You know, well, who wants to kill me? Those are the type of character development things that are nice to have, but not absolutely necessary in there. But also be warned, uh, because DM Goose will not tell you this, but your DM, if it's on your sheet, it's fair game. Oh, yes. If it's on your sheet, if you have a light, and if you're using a tool like D&D Beyond, and you're just filling it out and clicking stuff, and you're like, oh, okay, well, it's going to be hidden in your, like, traits and, and background and notes little tab on D&D Beyond, and not you're not going to the see DM. it. Huh? Not no, 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 but hidden from you, like, just, because you're going to be thinking about mechanics and rolling and combat and what am I doing next and RPing. You're not going to remember, but your yeah, DM You're not going to click over to that. <laughs> oh, yes. But your DM remembers, and they're going to use it, and you're going to be like, oh, crap. And um, so just if you put it on your sheet, it's fair game. You can skip that part. You don't have to put that <laughs> stuff down. Yeah. Uh, don't give your DM any more ammo than you want him to have or her to have. Yeah. That is That is the basic <laughs> rule. Because if, if it's written down somewhere, if you have yep. a text message with your DM or if it's on your character sheet, it's fair game. Don't put family in there unless you want them to die at some point. That's just a good rule of thumb. Yep. 
You got a tragedy backstory? Congratulations. You get a whole session around it where you get to act out a really emotional RP about your tragic backstory and you get to, you know, it's, yeah. It is fantastic. It's a, it's a great, I'm not going to call it a sport this time. It's a great game. (laughs) You can play along with your friends and create a a wonderful story that makes you laugh and cry. We've cried. There have been times we cried. It can, it can be a big pull on your emotions. You might it's not think it though. when you start, but oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a great time. It's cleansing, but it can be emotion yeah, emotionally draining. Very true. As my mom likes to say, I'm just glad that you have friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Every mom is worried. Make sure you have friends. Yep. She's just like, I'm just glad you have friends. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. It's a harder thing to do in this day and age, even. You never know. That's a good thing to to have, right? Friends. Yeah. Well, I think that's all on creating a character. That kind of takes, I hope, some of the uh, the scariness and the stigma out of, of all these big words and choices in front of you. They're and all, uh, you know, when you're making yours, just take it one, one step at a time and um, work with your DM. They're going to have a lot of insight and advice to give you. Yeah, 100%. They're usually, usually DM, is experienced enough to know all the ins and outs of it, and they can kind of guide you along the process if it's your first time. If it's your 100th time, then you know what you're doing, but still get with your DM and make sure you fit into that world. Um, but it's it's a fun process. There are people that are addicted to just making new characters. So have fun with it. Make a character that you're really going to love and stick with it. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us. Had so much fun talking about character creation. Join us next time as we talk about the Monsters of the Multiverse and also some of the up-and-coming new releases and products that we're excited about seeing. See you next time.